And welcome back to the Greg Horrenda Show, where today it is college, it's official, it's college basketball season, and we have college basketball insider for CBS Sports, WFAN, the Fan Rag Sports Network, the man to listen to when it's happening. We have John Rothstein on the Greg Horrenda Show. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Greg. What city are you in today, man? Give it to me. New York. Ah, there's nothing better. There's nothing, nothing better. better. What street do you live on, John? I don't want to give you your address away. What street are you on in the city? Yeah, I'll just say I'm on the Upper East Side. <laughs> Who's got a better life than you, man? And I'll tell you one thing. You know, now that college basketball's here, everyone's interested in college basketball, Ken. John Rothstein is interested in college basketball 24-7, 365. I know you've been on the show before, but let's give our guests that haven't heard your your initial infatuation with college basketball. When did when is the genesis? When did it start where you're like, I'm addicted, I'm all in? Was there a moment, a time, a place? Give it to me. March twenty third, nineteen ninety one. That was the day that Duke beat UNLV in the national semifinals oh. and ended. UNLV's 45-game winning streak. My father had never put his foot down much with my mother, and they're still happily married today, sure. You know, almost, four, almost 43 years in. But my mother and my father had plans that night to go see a friend of my mother's from college and her husband. They were going to do a double date. And my dad, about 4 o'clock, said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not missing this game. And that was the first time I vividly remember – Sitting down, watching a game with my dad, and right. I've been I've been hooked ever since. How how old were you then? Seven. You <laughs> seven. I love it. Did you like want to be a broadcaster? Or obviously, what you do now is you're inside the the underbelly of, and you're in front of it. What like you're infatuated with it on that date? Then did you just play constantly, or were you just an avid? fan or or spectator what what was your what was your initial uh, hook to the game you know I, I think anybody wants to obviously at that point in time if you grow up in the 90s right. your dream is to be the next christian leitner but then you kind of realize that your vocal pull cords are a lot better than your jump shot right and you also kind of realize that you know I, I think greg we all get into this business because we love sports but what happens is the passion that you put into being a fan you put in your career as you evolve into a professional broadcasting career. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, I did talk radio for a long time, like you're doing today, but sure. I always felt that the guts of my passion was college basketball. And that's what I had to make my primary focus. As you have evolved, like what was your break? Like what was the moment where you're like, wow, I mean, this is like, this could be my profession. I can make a really healthy living and, and do what I love. When when was that moment? There's so many twists and turns throughout right. the journey, Greg. To be honest with you, I mean, you look yeah. at it like I got a I got a great break when I was 21. I won ESPN Radio's dream job, which was a spinoff of the TV show, and I won that in 2004. And then, you know, that obviously got me in to do some work in the number one market, but yep. I still had to work other jobs, and I was trying right. to balance a lot of things out. Yes. And then I would say probably my big break after, you know, I won that, you know, dream job contest was, 
you know, about two and a half years later, after a number of freelance assignments, you know, covering college basketball freelance for FoxSports.com and other publications, right. I was able to get an opportunity at MSG Network when yes. they, you know, had a nightly show, and I was able to, you know, go on and, you know, right. talk college basketball, and then I was hired full time the following year, and then three years after MSG, I went to CBS. Take it now from there. Okay, we're just jumping around a little bit, but now we're getting to the present. And now you're, uh, Kenny, when I go recruiting, and our circles are a little bit different. The NEC recruits really well and really hard, as people know, because people are stealing our players. But when I go to these events, and there's a, there's a, a, a combination of high-level players, mid-level, lower-level ones, twos, and threes, when if I walk into an event in the city or in New Jersey that has players, John Rothstein is in the building. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, you come to this current moment and you're in there deep and now you know these guys and everything now hits the fan. Patino goes down. College basketball is shook. Auburn, Arizona, these are not only your guys you cover, they're your friends. This is our business. I know I've taken it very personally. You have to play, you know, both ends because you're, you know, you're a reporter, you're an insider, but you're tight with everybody. Like, how do you play this whole, how do you feel about college basketball and your role in reporting it and so forth and so on? I know it's a loaded question, but I just. No, it's a good, it's a good question, Greg. And like one thing I've come to learn is that coaches in college basketball are high strung. Coaches can snap at any moment. Right. And, you know, you're not going to go through a season without somebody getting annoyed with what you write or what you say. And, like, I think, you know, early on in my career, I used to get frustrated by that because the truth is, you know, I was just doing my job. And a lot of times you have to just take a deep breath when these things happen and you say, look, a lot of times people are going to get angry about things and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Exactly. And that's what I I think when when you go through that and you – live longer and you learn more, you know, you get older and wiser and that's what you attribute that to. And I I think the FBI thing, like you said, it shook all of us. And I'm somebody who I understand that coaches get hired, get fired. And I've got to stay on top of all of that because it's my job about when things are happening. But I don't think anybody takes great pride or great joy when you see people have their livelihoods taken from them. Yes. And I'm not saying that obviously what was in that FBI probe was on the up and up or something that, you know, people should ever emulate again. Sure. But there was a, another side to this. When all this is said and done, mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult for those people in that report, not just to get back into basketball, right. but to get back and to earn a living anyway. And I know that a lot of people involved, you know, had children, had wives. And when I think about the personal side, you know, it's upsetting and it's something that, you know, I feel bad about, but you know, we have to move on. You know, like I said to you a couple of minutes ago, I have a job to do and you know, your job is to report the facts. And Greg, my, my thing is this is I'm always just trying to be fair and objective. That is what I'm always trying to do. I'm trying to be fair and objective. And there are certain coaches who can respect that, and there are certain coaches that have a hard time with that. But, you know, like I I stated, 
you know, you're, you're going to go through seasons where you know, there's going to be a lot of people who don't like what you say. Right. And that's, you know, and, or like what you that's write. That's the business. And, you know, I, I quote Tom and Roth. This is the business that we've chosen. No, amen. But, but, but when you say, now we move on, but we can't move on until this is completed. And I don't think it's going to be completed for weeks, months, years. Uh, is that a fair it's assessment? It's an elephant in the room. It's an elephant in the room. But yeah. I, I think one thing that we've seen already four or five days into the season is that college basketball may have you know, had to stop at a rest stop Right, it's FBI probe. Oh yeah, it's more than capable of getting back on the oh, highway and heading in the right direction. No other question. Stories are going to emerge. You know, other things are going to come to the forefront. You know, I've got a hunch that FDU is going to make the tournament, win a game in Dayton, and really push a one seed this year. So I'm there looking forward to what's going to happen in 17, 18. I'm telling you. And then, like you, you go to the UCLA debacle, and that's a. I think I'll tell you one thing, man, and I'm a and and just a little insight into me, John and, and and Kenny. Since I was a kid, I'm infatuated with the David Susskind show. John Sterling had a show on WMCA when I was a teenager, a talk radio show. Bill Mazur had the show it, so I listen all the time. I watched the press conference of UCLA, and I'm sure you did. I got to tell you, those kids. And they are kids were very impressive. Steve Alford was really good. And the athletic director, his name again, John, is? Dan Guerrero. Was especially just just very litigious and very, I, I thought they did a good job, but it still finds them in a really tough spot on where they're going to go next and what not only the UCLA athletic department um, produces as far as a and result for those young men, but um, the, the 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 president and and the board. What what's going to happen? Are they going to play a game this year? Are they going to not look, play? What's the you're deal? You're asking me if I had to answer that to, to speculate on speculation. I'm not going to speculate yeah. on speculation, but I will say this. Okay, it's much more to me than you know getting caught for shoplifting. You're in a different country, so I you're know. not just representing. Okay, UCLA, know, you're representing the United States. I know. So those kids took for granted everything that they had in terms of the opportunity to go to another continent and represent UCLA basketball, one of the most favorable brands in the sport. You know, I remember just when I was growing up as an adolescent in terms of, you know, being tempted to do things that weren't obviously sure. just like color coloring inside the lines. I was so much more afraid of my mother and father than I was of the authority. No, absolutely. I knew that, you know, things could sort itself out if he obviously stepped out of line, but I was so afraid of what would happen if I ever came home. I remember my father sitting me down before I went to college, and he said, look, these are the rules. If you want to go back for a second semester, you got to get a 3-0. If you ever want to bring a car to college, you got to have a 3-5. And if you don't get a 3-0 your first semester and you come home and you don't cut the grass, you can't eat here anymore. I mean, and, if you go, and, and, and if you go to college and you come home and you get a 3-0 and you have a, have a, have a party, we're going to kick you out of the house. Those were the four things he said. God bless him. Obviously, your dad uh, or LeVar Ball, his uh, dad, you know, didn't uh, adhere to those. How about Ball's dad? Now, I could be wrong. Now, you're the insider. Ball's dad went to, instead of staying with his kid, he went to Hong Kong 
and opened up two stores while the kid was held in China. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't. This isn't, you know, in my wheelhouse, Greg. I okay. kind of chose to kind of diffuse yeah. the attention I gave to Labar Ball. I loved his son Lonzo at UCLA. I thought he was appointment television, but right. you know, to me, that's not like I don't want to. And then this, this, you know, I'm not trying to get away from the question. No, I know. Subject, but the way I look at it is this: UCLA had a major embarrassment to its basketball program. Right. UCLA, when I was out there in the preseason, I thought was going to probably at some Oof. point this season start Cody Riley, one of the young men who was yes. you know, fought for shoplifting at power forward. So from a basketball perspective, yep. UCLA could be down a potential starter. Absolutely. And that's the way I look at it. Right. But as far as that, you know, the other stuff, you know, yeah, I gotta. You know, there's too much going on right now in terms of games to track. And no, games no, and I and I don't put that on you, but I I almost want to vent to our fans and to our listeners that, okay, if the dad, the ball, the the, the father, the ball father, is going to be so influential and so into his children, and then once his child is in taken into custody and he bolts and goes to Hong Kong and says everything's not a big deal, not a big deal, it it's like I don't know. There's just a lot of you know. I have a. I have a hard time with it, but I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, hopefully, and we talked about it with our team, how you represent, we're not going to China, but we go to class. I say, guys, you know what? You take your hats off, you shut your cell phones down, and you you participate in class, and you shake hands, and you tell people about our games. And I think, again, 99% to 100% of the coaches Try to do right things. Try to tell our kids to do the right things, and then at the end of the day, the players go out and they're going to do what they got to do. And and uh, it's just a really sad uh, moment for college basketball. And then you and watch UCLA at a UCLA. UCLA. UCLA is the four-letter word for. And you know what? Then you have Bobby Knight taking shots at the late John Wooden. I'm like, come on, man. Let's get on the – let's – you know, and it's just, it's just to me uh, everything outside of the game is, is a little bit askew right now. But when you get to the games in Chicago, those were two great games with four really good basketball teams. Who did you like? Who surprised you in Chicago, John? Well, the way I look at it is, you know, coming into the game when I was writing my columns for Monday, you right. know, the focus for me was Marvin Bagley the third against Michigan State's front court, and yep. Marvin Bagley the third only plays ten minutes and still wins, and the game was never in doubt. So when I look at Duke, I see a team that has no ceiling, and I just want to make this point now in terms of the other game. Yes, think about how Kentucky looked on Sunday against Vermont, who's right. a very good team. And right. they were lucky to win at Rupp Arena. And then think about how, how ready John Calipari had that team for a game 48 hours later. I mean, I think everybody kind of talks about him as a recruiter oh, and for no. good notion. But, I mean, no. look at how, what he was able to do hey. with that team in terms of how prepared they were for Kansas. Amen. John, you know this. When John Calipari was at UMass and didn't have a lot of talent, he was, he was a great coach. He's a great recruiter. I mean, John Calipari checks so many boxes, and he's so far ahead of a lot of coaches. But again, and I know John, and John knows me, it's still, at the end of the day, you know, at UMass, it didn't end well. 
At Memphis, it didn't end well. And I just hope to God that at Kentucky, he continues to do what he's doing and it ends better because it's, well, it's just. Well, well here's the thing you got to look at when you look at, you said how he's always, you know, ahead of the curve. Yep. The model that Duke is using right now and the model that Duke used to win the 2015 national title is pretty much a carbon copy of what Calipari exactly. started with Kentucky. So he is at the point right now where Duke is emulating him. I know. I know. And, and, and what John Calipari does not, and I've told him this, I had him on the show, what he doesn't get credit for is being really, really smart. You know what I mean? Everything this dude does is just, everybody's like, wow, that's a great idea. Wow, that's a great idea. Wow, I'm going to do this. Uh, hey, let's, let's cross over and talk basketball. Mike Krzyzewski comes out and plays zone for 40 minutes, and those guys are long and active. And now we get back to our office, and I'm in there with Pat Sellers is on my staff now, John. I don't know if you know that. I've got no, I, I, I go way back with Pat Sellers. Great man, Bruce Hamburger and Pete Lapis. And now we're talking about, you know, we're, we're at a different level. We're long and athletic, and. What's your take on Coach K playing? Uh, I know he's played it in the past, but with, with these guys, he was—he seemed like he's pretty dedicated to playing zone and covering the court that way. Well, you know, everybody who's worked for Coach K that you know I've built relationships with in the business, whether it's Chris Collins, Steve Wojciechowski, Mike Bray, you know, they right. all say that he is just a relentless learner. Like right. he wants to keep getting better, and you know this at the experience that. Coach K had with USA Basketball, one of his assistants was Jim Beheim. Exactly. So in all the time they exactly. spent together, you know that Beheim was definitely giving Coach K notes about the 2-3 and when to use it. And, yes. you know, don't be shocked that that becomes a major cog right now with oh. this Duke team moving forward. So and John, that's something you know, yeah. that I think Coach Beheim definitely had an influence on. All coaches, you can say they're learners, they're also stealers. You know what I mean? It's like there's not a night that goes by, Kenny, that I'm watching a game and I don't steal something that's on that, t- you know, like a, a Porzingis pick and pop or what have you. And and obviously, you know, Mike Krzyzewski with his connection to USA Basketball um, and and his obviously the guy's a great coach, but the, he's in that he's in that learning curve that I, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. Well, and, you know, another thing when you talk about, you know, stealing from, you know, other coaches, we go back to right. Cal for a second. Yeah. You know, at Memphis, his last two years, he switched to that dribble, dribble drive, drive motion yeah. offense from, that he took from Vance Wahlberg, yes. who was a junior college coach. And now, like, you'll be watching games, Greg, and you'll see teams that have more quickness and more perimeter players. They'll be running the dribble drive. Oh, no question. No question. I, I, I just think – I, I just want college basketball to to kind of – and I think the games – and this is why college basketball to me is the best because when the kids play, and it doesn't matter, last night we played FDU Florham and we had a, a big win and we should have won big and we had 13 dunks, we made 10 threes. There's no hiding. And these kids play hard. And the crowds are not – I mean, they're cheering this year for – all the great players at Duke and all of the great players at Michigan State. and But I could, they're cheering for their school. They're cheering for 
their flag. They're cheering for their seed. It's, I, it's, it's, I think the, the game of basketball and college basketball specifically is taking a lot of hits, but it survives. I think the game survives and advances even though we lost one of our great coaches. I mean, Rick yeah. Pitino is a Hall of uh, yeah, go ahead. Go a ahead. Hall of Fame coach. We lose him. You could lose other coaches, a ton of assistants. Some players are going to get redirected. But at the end of the day, in March, it's the seeds, it's the teams, it's the Sweet 16, it's the Elite Eight, it's the Final Four. It's, it's hard to beat the game. Do you, yeah. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, no, I mean, that's why we get into this now. You know, there's stories, there's news, there's different things that emerge. But right. for all intents and purposes, the game can overshadow that. That's, that's right. That's one thing that, you know, there's feel-good moments that, like, make you kind of forget all the noise. I remember we were in studio two years ago when it was regional final Sunday. And right. that was the regional final in 2014. So it's three and a half years ago now. Amazing how time flies. Yes. When UConn beat Michigan State at the Garden. Yes. Bad Napier I was at the, I was at the game. Right. Yeah. He made just some unbelievable oh. shots late in UConn, who again probably should have lost to St. Joe's in around the '64. That's right. The most improbable run to the national championship, and then later that day, Drew, Drew, I'm thinking you Drew Felicity. <laughs> later that day, Greg. I, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Later that day, Greg. You know. Kentucky beat Michigan when Aaron Harrison made that three from the, from the left wing. And like we're sitting there, where we're in a commercial, yes. and you know, and I'm like sitting there, and like I'm thinking about the two games we just did. And we're doing a post game show, and I don't know if I had tears in my eyes, but I just couldn't believe I that I was just able just to be a part of this. Oh. Because any, anybody that's a part of college basketball in whatever role yes. you're in, it's almost like a warm blanket that you always oh. want to grab yourself in no you're exactly and then there's so many cold days when you're in gyms that no one knows you know what i mean and those moments pay off for the entire year they really do and you feel like you're part of something greater and that's why i coach college basketball and that's why you cover college basketball hey john i cannot thank you enough man I, you gave that was a good conversation kenny Thumbs up. John. Anytime, Greg. I love love your knowledge. I beg you. I will send a car. I will have Pete Lapis pick you up. I need you at a Rothman Center practice or a game. My treat afterwards at Patsy's. Trust me. You got it, man. You will love it. I know you're a big time, but come back. You went to Ithaca, bro. And we'll be back. With more after this. This is Steve Lapis. When I'm not broadcasting for CBS Sports, I'm listening to The Greg Horrenda Show on WFDU.